Good afternoon, everyone. So good to see you guys. There's a lot of people here that I don't know. Welcome, welcome, welcome to these people I haven't met before. Very exciting to have you. We are at the. We have finished a series, but now we're, we're, the series was about the big picture of the Bible. What's God doing in, in His story of the whole world? But then now we're picking up a few things. Well, how do you? How does this affect issues? How does it affect uh, application? How does it affect maybe how we read the rest of the Bible? And tonight we're going to say, well, we're, this is part one. Like. There was no way I could put this all into one talk that wouldn't have all the kids going nuts by the end of it. So, so this, is, this is cut in half, uh, and, and yet I think it makes sense to do these bits tonight. But we're going to ask these questions about how do we make decisions when we know that we're in God's story? How do you make decisions? Um, I put a post on Facebook this week saying, oh, you know, uh, who, does anyone get anxiety about decisions that they make? And heaps of people posted there. Heaps of people then, sorry, well, I shouldn't say heaps of people. Some people also messaged me privately and didn't put it up in the, in the public one. And then I was having a chat with rando mate soccer player at, at, after my soccer game today about, about anxiety and how it works and how we heal from anxiety. How does our past affect our present? I was like, wow, you, mate, you, uh, you from the outside, didn't, I didn't think we were having that conversation just quietly. Uh, so that, was, that was really interesting. Um, got real deep just on the side of a soccer pitch. And, and so it's not just Christian people who are thinking about guidance or thinking about you know, decisions that produce anxiety. Uh, I suspect you and I experience a little bit of that as well. And I wonder if you were to stop and think about what it is that you're hoping to get out of God's guidance when you've got decisions to make, what would, you, what would your answer be? What do you want guidance for? Why do you want it? Why? What would it give you? What would be different? And I want to suggest that as we kick off, it's really important to see that the most significant question is actually, what do you want to be guided towards? Uh, you see, I, I think it, the, there's this kind of sense of, well, I want guidance, so I want, I want to know what to do, but I might want to know what to do for all sorts of different reasons, so I feel less anxious so that I don't have to make the decision myself, uh, so that um, I could you know, live in a way that's prosperous and good, so that I don't have to worry about whether I've hurt the people around me because I know it wasn't a bad decision, so that I know that my kids are going to have some sort of you know, security in the future, so that, so that, so that, so that, so that, so that I don't feel paralyzed by the fact that I have to make a decision. Lots of different reasons you might want guidance. But what do you want to be also guided towards? What do you want the results of your decisions to be? What are you hoping that your decision, like when you're saying, okay, here's my, you done cost-benefit analyses and stuff like that, or, you know, like, here's my pros, here's my cons. What are the big pros and cons? What, 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 what bubbles up to the top is the thing that you're actually trying to get out of each and every decision. You see, the question is, if you set up your life so that all of your decisions, the question is, so that I might live beautifully, well, as God intended me to, worshipping and honouring Him. And every decision was actually tailored around that purpose. Well, that would be really quite a thing, wouldn't it? Well, this job's got more money than this job. <laughs> All I care about is, 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 the, is this, am I going to honour God well in this space or am I not going to honour God well in this space? Will the money help with that? Will the money make that worse? 
Well, I'm definitely going for a low-paying job because I know I'm a covetous person. Uh, you see what I mean? There's, there's different directions about this. Um, I, I don't know if this is going to work. This would be pretty funny if it doesn't. But um, is there, the, there should be a YouTube web page one there. Can you flick to that, Brad, and see if it works? Just because I think the thing, when you're aiming at the wrong thing, it's actually kind of bad when you, when you hit the target. Right? So um, I don't know if it'll come up. But anyway, I was watching a compilation of, of uh, own goals on YouTube the other night. And uh, best of Premier League own goals. And there's this one guy who, i, I got to tell you, like he's a defender. His own goal is right there. The ball comes to him. And he just looks at that bottom corner. And he swings his He plants that ball in that bottom corner with such conviction. Like it just looks like he's actually trying to score in his own goal. It's, he, he's successful. It's technically a beautiful strike. But it doesn't help him. And it really doesn't help his position in his team. And so if we're actually thinking about the wrong thing when we are actually making our decisions, when we're trying to get guidance, well, we're shooting for the wrong thing. We're going to score an own goal, especially if we succeed. See? So what we're going to do is we're going to pick up now tonight a, a, few, a few of the ways to not find guidance to start with, and then we're going to pick up uh, how, what God actually plans to do through, through guidance and why he does things the way that he does them, what's the purpose, and how does that fit into the story. So, first of all, I'm going to kick in. How not to find guidance. I want to suggest that one of the biggest, biggest mistakes that people make is trying to find guidance through our circumstances. Okay, now I've got this example of a guy named Jim. Jim is a third-year mechanical engineering student. He's considering whether or not to complete his degree, right? He likes some of the work, but he doesn't really get on with his lecturers. He's finding it hard to motivate himself to do assignments and study. And uh, when, when it, um, exam time came around, he failed two subjects. Okay, what's Jim going to do? Well, Jim thought to himself first, this is God closing a door for me, Right? Okay? He just had this sense. This is not what God wanted him to do. And failing the exams just, just confirmed that. I mean, he feels that he should leave mechanical engineering and make a change. It's just, it's just clearly not, not what he's just built for. That's one way of reading the circumstances. He could be right. And it's quite likely the way that you would prefer to read the circumstances. It sort of sounds like it, doesn't it? But, but, but what if... What if... Jim tried it this way, because this is another equally valid way of reading the same circumstances. He might say instead to himself, maybe God's trying to teach me something here. I probably failed the exams because I didn't really work hard enough, and maybe God's using this to teach me to persevere and to mature me as a person. I really think this is God's way of telling me I need to work harder and complete my studies. Or... Yeah, he, maybe he could even read the circumstances in a third way. Maybe this is God showing me what failure looks like. I've been pretty down about this. That's, this has been a big blow to Jim's ego. He's been hurting. He feels like this is half his life falling apart. And so maybe he's like, maybe this is God telling me that I need to put my trust more in Jesus and to put my trust in him. Now, the problem here is that from the circumstances alone, right, there is no way that Jim can tell which of these three possible readings of the circumstances is correct, or none of them, or all of them. Well, the first two can't be the same. <laughs> anyway, is God telling him to go, or to stay, or just to trust? Do, do you see this problem? Circumstances are mute 
with respect to God's will. They do not tell you anything. You can't work it out from just examining your circumstances. Now, what if, though, there's some other things that you add to it? What if Jim actually gets these, he's having these strong inner promptings, this deep feeling? What if one morning he is deep in prayer even at the time? That's a sure sign this is a God thing, right? And he just gets this strong inner sense that leaving uni is what God wants him to do. The problem for him is that the same thing problem still exists. How does Jim know it's not simply his mind speaking? How does it not know that it's uh, his history of this sense of, of failure and actually there's, a, there's the, this sort of weird feeling inside him that, that he needs to stop comes from his desire not to fail again? How does he know? Uh, what if God actually wanted Jim to keep going with the degree and Satan was tempting him to quit? An equally spiritual way to understand the circumstances, yes? And yet the opposite? See, ultimately, the only way to know is to compare these interpretations against Scripture, as 1 John 4 tells us to do, test the spirits. Any spirit that is from God will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God in the flesh and will listen to the word of the apostles. But, okay, <laughs> that's not really helping Jim make his decision, right? And, of course, if a spirit, if a, if, a, if, a, if a prompting merely confirms the guidance God has already provided to Jim in Scripture... It's not really any new or special revelation for him. He can't tell. Thirdly, this is how not to read the Bible. Oh, sorry, I got missed, missed the Bible one in there. There we go. How to not? Oh, there it is. No, it is there. How to not to read the Bible? You see. The way of thinking, this whole way of thinking that Jim's using, this sense of I've got to try and guess, I've got to try and work out what God wants, actually doesn't honor the Holy Spirit who wrote the Bible. You see, if you use Scripture as like this kind of weird coincidence meter, do you, do, you, do you know what I mean by that? Kind of like if you see enough spooky things that kind of make it seem like this direction must be the case, well, then you've got to work it out. You know, when we use Scripture as this book of cryptic clues that we're meant to peer into and then find my life and be like, ooh, 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 I see connections, I see connections. It must be this. We're actually not respecting the Scriptures themselves because as we've seen, the Scriptures don't say that's what they are. They don't say they're a spooky book designed to, you're supposed to match up and work out, oh, am I Joseph in this, or am I meant to be the, the Gideon in this, or am I meant to be... No, they're actually a story about what God has done in the past, what God is doing in history, and you're not meant to just find yourself in it and match it and work out what your next thing is to do. Has anyone read The um, Secret Diary of Adrian Plass? Yeah, a couple, a couple of little. Um, apparently, one day, Adrian's working out whether to go to church or whether to stay at home and watch a James Bond movie. Right, 007. Uh, so he opens up the Bible randomly to a page and reads 1 Kings 22, verse 38. Uh, it says, and the dogs licked up his blood. And so it's like, Bond 007 it is. Guidance from God. See, now, it, it, it's a bit ridiculous, of course, that one. But if I hear Christians talking about decisions like this every week. Same theory, the same mindset, just much more plausibly, not so ridiculously. Now, it can be similar with opportunities as well. Opportunities. Um, have you ever thought about this? This really fantastic opportunity shows up at just the right time. It must be God who put it there. This is God's provision for me. 
Now, that's true, by the way, because it's happened, right? Like, this is in the past, God's sovereign. God, God is over all things, arranges everything. So, so it must have been God's will that the opportunity came up. But the next logical step that we often take, however, is that because it's come up, I must take it. That's what it's for. Not only did God put it there, but my job in discerning his guidance means that I need to take it. And that's just not true. Like the simple fact that God has allowed me to do something does not mean that it's his will for me to. There are many decisions in history where people were given opportunities. God allowed them to have that opportunity. Disastrous consequences for the world. You can think of any number of, yeah? An amazing opportunity, even at just the right time, so fortuitous does not equal an instruction from God to obey and go and take it. It might mean the self-control to turn it down. Who knows? In this framework of thinking, do you see it's almost superstitious? There's this sense I'm trying to divine something that, is, that, that I should know, and, and if I can only grab hold of it, then I'll get God's perfect plan for my life, and then things will be good. Then I'll get God's plan A. Then I'll, then I'll, then I'll do the right thing. Like, uh, the, the pro- uh, God's not sitting up in heaven sort of thinking, nah, gee, Chris, man, the way that he led church, like he just said that word instead of that word, totally spoiled. I was planning on saving that person from their sins this, tonight, but, but, but Chris didn't say it right. No, ah, gee, I know, Chris, what are you doing? Uh, so it gets ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, you should say, sorry, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it just gets ridiculous at that point. See, my problem is not, like, I'm not going to be living God's plan B for my life, Right? Like, if every time I mess something up, I go from plan A to plan B, like, I'm at plan, you know, 38 billion at some point right now, right? That's, that's, that's how it works. You see, if God wants you to do something, he's quite capable of speaking to you about it directly, isn't he? He's speaking God. That's how he created the world. And so if he hasn't told you something directly, there's a reason. There's a reason. Because, probably, I'm suggesting, it's because he's leaving that decision up to you. See, why do humans make decisions? I mean, the world would be kind of a whole lot better, I imagine, sometimes, if we didn't let humans make decisions. Is there a human being that you really want to take decision-making power out of their hands? Uh, I've got a few that I've thought of in many circumstances. Sometimes they're related to me. Um, why would God do it? He's so hands-off. He's so secure in himself and just letting us do crazy stuff. Well, why would he do that? God does want us to know the answer to that one. And so he has directly told us. And here we are. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. God made humanity in his image, in the likeness of God, so that they may rule. So God created them in his own image and his likeness and then said, rule. See, the decisions that you make and the decisions that make you anxious to make are actually a result of the great honour with which you have been bestowed as a human, as, as, as a God over this earth. Decisions are your honour, your privilege. And God doesn't debase that by micromanaging your decisions. He's not a controlling parent so dependent upon his children for his self-worth that he's got to make sure that they do the right thing every instant of every day. He is more secure than this. 
I, this is it's a dumb thing to like, but it's it's my favorite dumb thing to love in the Bible. Is Genesis two nineteen? God makes Adam and and uh, sorry, he makes all of the the uh, the animals and brings them before Adam and says, "Oh, Adam, I want you to name them." And I love this bit. He says he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. To see, he just rocks up. Oh, I wonder what he's going to name them. He's not telling Adam what to name them. He's just like, oh. You call that a giraffe. That's a little bit of a strange name, but I'll go with it. That's fine. And so whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Parents here might have made calls like that sometimes. So maybe your parents made calls like that with you where they said, I'll just give them the responsibility. I'm going to let them make this choice themselves and then regretted giving that. Or maybe you regretted that they gave you that. You see, here we see, here we see that it's God's delight is leaving it up to you to live your life. Now, look, I know there's great songs, Jesus, take the wheel. But I don't think Jesus wants to be in the driver's seat of your car. I think it's what Scripture says. I think Jesus wants to be sitting in that navigator's seat. It's kind of got the Holy Spirit working here. I don't know exactly how to place the analogy with the Trinity and everything like that in this car, but it's a road trip with you and the Trinity, right? And the Spirit says... Jesus, your Lord and King and your Saviour is that way. Problem is, you're just coming to a T-junction. You choose the speed, you choose the, you choose the, the gear, you choose the direction. Jesus is that way. That's where we're headed. Let's go there. That's where goodness is to be found. Trust Him. Uh, God's guidance is more like a, a compass a navigator who sits with you in the car, who doesn't leave, but stays with you in the car, even when you're not really following the navigator's directions, not a GPS, not, a, not, not a, 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 like a, an impersonal set of instructions. Now, now, Jimmy, I want you to turn left here, 300 metres, get into the right-hand lane, then, three, then, then turn. It's a journey with a God. Now, it, it's interesting. I think human beings are kind of strange because... At the moment, I mean, guidance has never really been a big issue for Christians throughout human history. It's strange. It's actually arisen in recent times, like books on or comments on guidance. Like if you go to Augustine and, and, and Calvin, you're not going to find a section on discerning God's will for your life. It's not there. Heaps of books now, but not there. And, and it's interesting because ironically, I think we get anxious because we want both more and less control and sometimes both at the same time. Um, I'll tell you what I mean. Sometimes we want more control. Sometimes we want guidance because I want to know where this is headed. It's just like not knowing is hard, right? Not knowing the future is hard. There's things we care about and not knowing is hard. And just, just to know what God's up to, to know where I'm headed would, would just be some kind of relief, wouldn't it? Sometimes we want more control, at least a sense of knowing. And yet sometimes we want guidance because we don't want to take responsibility for a decision if we screw it up. We're like, I don't want that. That's, that's really hard. It's out of fear. We don't want to mess things up. Have you ever prayed that God... Oh, right, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but I'm going to, I'm going to see the look in your face. <laughs> have you ever prayed... Have you ever, oh, sure, I've prayed this. Have you ever prayed that God would take all the options away and just leave you with only one? Yeah. We were praying to abdicate our humanity. We were praying not to rule ourselves. To not be self-controlled. 
I want to be a robot, God, so I don't have to make any decisions. And God says, that's ah, not what I built you for. You're so much more than that. And you're going to become so much more than that. Anyway, we'll get to that later. All right. <clears throat> so therefore, I'm going to, we're just going to touch on this one. How do you therefore understand your gut instinct? How do, how do you, how do you, what do you do with your inner compulsions, your strong sense my emotions towards a decision, when I get anxiety towards one decision, but I feel at peace with another. What does that mean? Well, in, in the car analogy, we're going with the car analogy. You're in the driver's seat. Trinity's somewhere variously fighting over who gets to sit in the front seat. And some people... Um, oh, sorry. I just jumped the line. Your, your, your inner feelings, your gut on stuff, is a light on the dashboard. It's, it's a noise coming from the engine. It's data for you. Now, um, when every, every now and again, I, I like talking to Mark Ensby. He's kind of a nice guy. And uh, I overheard him one day. He was, t- he was just telling stories about how, you know, like what he did before he came to Hobart. And he was talking about how now, because he, he used to be a mechanic, now he'd get people ringing him and uh, they, would, they would say, hey, what do you think's wrong with this car? And they'd just like hold the phone out like, so that he can, he can hear the engine running. And then he'd say, yeah, I think it's this, 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 and this. Because you can do that, right? It's data. Like if you've been around cars enough, you sort of can, from the sound, you just kind of know, as long as you know the make and the model and what's going on, you can tell what's going on. And if you look at your dashboard and the oil light comes on, well, depending on how old your car is, you've got about a 50% chance that it actually means your oil's low. Well, it's an old car, so it's probably definitely low anyway. But do you know what I mean? Like it, the, the, the sensor might be faulty. You see... Our emotions, our feelings, our gut on stuff, it tells us something. It tells us to investigate. But sometimes it's kind of just not exactly accurate. It tells me I'm anxious about this, this position, but it doesn't tell me why. Is it because actually it's the perfect thing that I would love to do, but I'm anxious to actually do the thing that I'd love to do in case I fail at the thing that I'd love to do, and what would that mean about me? See, in that case, you might say the anxiety is an indication of something that maybe would be really great to do, or at least you might enjoy choosing it. But you've actually got to actually interrogate the anxiety first before you know what it means, right? Why are you anxious? And so that's the thing. So you open up the hood. You open up the hood. You work out what is this inner prompting about. Now, some people, that are, re- some people are so in tune with their emotions that they can do this really easy. Now, actually, I, should, I said tune with... Notice I said in tune with feelings, not they are really emotional. See, this is an interesting thing, right? The person who is in tune with their inner world is the person who is able to see that, let's say a dashboard light of anxiety comes on with a certain decision, right? But, I, but the person who's in tune with their own body and how they function and their past and all those things knows that that's just because there's a dodgy sensor. Yeah, I had a bad experience like this when I went into a situation like this before. But in this case, it's different. So that's fine. The past doesn't need to affect this particular decision. It's okay. Because I know why I feel what I feel. So the person who's in tune with their emotions is actually able to not be ruled by their emotions. They can actually make a different choice. So whereas uh, someone who, um, yeah, I mean, sorry, they might feel anxious, or feel sick even about a decision, but they know why they feel that, and so they can do the right thing anyway. Now, the person who hasn't connected with their feelings may not actually be able to even bring themselves to think about the right option because it's so... They, they, they don't even, they just feel this stuff and it's so big and it's so all-encompassing. They don't like thinking about that stuff, so they just push it down. 
And so you just do the thing that makes you feel the most comfortable in the end. And so, strangely, the person who's connected with their inner world, perhaps at times, is much more able to rule their emotions and the person who has got no idea what they're feeling because they don't like talking about how they feel is actually ruled by their inner emotions more effectively. So your gut, your instincts, they're things to pay attention to but not necessarily obey. Lights on the dashboard to investigate. But once you know what's going on under the hood, well, you know what's going on under the hood. You know why the sensors are... Like, don't need to worry about the sensor light anymore. You can ignore the emotion itself, or at least not let it change your decision, and deal with what you know is the truth. We'll delve a little bit more into how to do that maybe next week. We'll see, what, see how it works out. All right. Now, now we're up to the final bit, the last bit. Why? Why does God do it like this? Why is it so hard? Why does he actually want me to make decisions? Why can't he just make it a bit easier? Let's set it out. I'd probably be godlier. Well, two things. God's will for the universe. We know where God's taking the universe. It says so, Ephesians 1, 9 to 10. God's plan for the universe, his purpose for the universe is to unite everything in his son, Jesus Christ. All things that will be placed under his feet with him being the head of his body, the church. There is nothing that will not be subject to Jesus on that last day. Everything and everyone, everything will be, will exist to the praise of his glorious grace. It's all about God showing how good his son is. But also, but also, the people that Jesus died for on a cross, paid for their wrongdoings and rescued them and, and brought them into this new humanity with him, they will be the people who will rule the world. Let's flip forward. There's a, yeah, here we go. See, you see, that is God's purpose for you. God's a bit like an American parent, right? He's raising his children to be the leader of the free world. That's what he's up to. That's, that is us. God's purpose from the beginning... So right here we got, his purpose in the beginning was this humanity who were going to rule the world well, rule the world in love. And that's actually what he's going to get in the end. It's what he's been building. A humanity who is going to rule the world in relationship with him and in love. That's what he's turning you into. And my friends, that's a bit of a process. For anything like me, it's not going to be easy to get you to be that human being, the human being you trust the world with. And so that process is the process of walking with God through a lifetime of finding it hard to trust God so that we are enabled to trust Him as we should. You see, God is preparing you for an eternity of being awesome and being a good ruler of the world to do it right. Unlike as we've seen through the story, humanity has been able, unable to do that so far. You're in training for ruling the universe. And that's why it's a long and grueling training process. See, if God gave you the map, what do you reckon you'd do? Right? You know, you, you, you pull a Marty McFly, kind of, you know, 30 years into the future, get the sports almanac, you know all the results, but this is the almanac of your life. You know every decision that's going to happen, you know how it works, you know what God wants you to do every single time. He's God's, God becomes just a GPS, just barking out the next instruction. It tells you every little turn, when to slow down. Now, what would happen to your relationship with God? It would be different. You wouldn't go through dark nights of the soul where you're not sure if you can trust him. But then you come to the other side and he's been with you the whole way through. You'd be a different person. 
You see, God wants to be with you on the journey, in the front seat of the car, saying, hey, Jesus' kingdom's that way. The wheel's yours. You, you're making the choices. You're going, to make, you're going to make some dumb ones. But I'm not going anywhere. I'm here with you. And because it's through that process that we end up relating to him, we make mistakes, and then we go and cry to him, and then we feel like we're in the desert, and we whinge that we haven't got what we want, and then we trust him sometimes, and we read his word and listen to him, tell us, oh, that's right, that is the compass telling me where to go. Oh, right, that's good. And we follow it, and, then, and, and blessing and goodness come, maybe not to us, maybe it's just hard for us, but, but we become able to trust him because we see the goodness of, of obeying him. We turn off the road, crash the car, roll it, but find out that he never leaves the car and never leaves us. Sure, he, he's not jumping in and saying, hey, don't turn there. No, you can't turn there. He's hands off. But we start to learn over the journey of life just how good he is and how much we can trust him. That's the journey. That's what it's for. So that when we rule the world, so that when we're here, humanity will do it well. We'll do it well. We'll be attuned by listening to his word, trained that he is good, but not like robots, not even like employees, like trusting instead, like trusting children, like children entrusted with the inheritance and the dad leaves it to them. So what do we do with it? What's the application? Well, God cares more about whether you're a whole, healthy, reconnected human than he does about whether you're successful. Now, you, you, I guarantee you, if I said that at the start of this talk, most of you would be like, yeah, so, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I get it. That's not news to me. But do you hear now why? Because of what he's training you for? Because you've got to be that kind of human. He cares, more, he cares more about whether you're a whole, healthy, reconnected human than he does about whether you own a house. That one stings me. Or you have a job that puts to use your degree so you can feel like that wasn't wasted time. Cares more about whether you're that whether you are growing into that human being than if you have a fulfilling job or any of the other things that you're anxious about in your life. See, it matters more that your choices guide your feet into actions that change you into a Christ-like human, giving rather than receiving. That that becomes your habit. Serving others as if they're more important than you are. Now importantly, not because they are more important than you are, but because you know exactly how important you will be to the world to come. And so how important it will be that you live like that, that you are the kind of human who can be in that world, that new world, living as if everyone else is more important than you. Not because you're worthless, but because you're worth so much. You see, God plans to put the whole planet underneath you. He needs you to be the kind of human that he can trust with this. And so it means that God cares more about whether I'm an ethical lawyer with integrity than whether I choose law or ditch digging as my career. And he cares more about whether I am a lazy or hardworking ditch digger than whether I do law or dig ditches. What do we care about in our decisions? This is the thing to grab and put in your heart. This is the thing, to, this is the thing that... I, I most likely, if I was sitting in the congregation, I'm feeling it right now, I'm standing, I'm preaching it, I'd resist. I would resist taking this in and wanting to change how, what I care about. But don't do that. Take this and be willing to have it turn your life upside down. Because your destiny is to be ruling the world 
And what are you training yourself for? What future career are you training yourself for? I'm going to pray. Join me. Heavenly Father, it's um, scary being a human. We're not nothings. We're, we're not devoid of responsibility. We're not disconnected individuals seeking happiness. To be human, particularly, Lord, to be a Christian, is to not only have been entrusted with the earth and each other, but, Lord, to, have a, to be Christian is to have a destiny and a future of having been trained to trust you so that we will then be able to rule your world well in joy and in peace and in love. Father, please help us to see where we're training for and making choices for something else other than this. Give us courage to face the spots where we're actually choosing very different things in our decision-making pros and cons lists. Father, give us the courage to talk to each other about it, to be real and honest about it with each other, just to, just to throw it around and learn from each other. Father, help us to hear your guidance tonight, your compass telling us where we're headed so that we can make good turns know where to go slowly around a corner, when to go fast enough to be drifting so that we might wisely pick the course because we know exactly where we're headed and what you made us for. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.